Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and today we're going to be talking to the leader of the People's Party of Canada, Maxim Bernier. Now, many of you will know who he is. He's a Canadian politician who's both the founder and the leader of the PPC. He was formerly a member of the Conservative Party of Canada and actually ran for the leadership of the party before leaving to found uh, a new party. He was the member of Parliament for Bose from 2006 to 2019, and he also served as a cabinet minister in the Harper government. Now, I wanted to talk to Maxim Bernier because Mr. Bernier was on Parliament Hill this past weekend as the Truckers Convoy, the Freedom Convoy 2022, arrived in Ottawa. Now, this convoy has been attracting attention all over the world because essentially a group of truckers decided to launch a convoy to protest the vaccine mandates for truckers. But this this convoy soon soon turned into a, a flashpoint for the frustrations of, of millions of Canadians across the country for all sorts of issues, but mainly the fact that there's all these restrictions placed uh, on the lives of those who are not vaccinated, those who have a medical issue with getting vaccinated, a religious issue, a conscience issue, or what have you. Especially because Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and, and leader of the NDP Jagmeet Singh have spent so much time really demonizing uh, those who have chosen not to get vaccinated. And of course, we saw in Quebec uh, the vax tax, which which seemed to be a really ominous indication that governments across the country were about to take another step. And so this convoy turned into something about first specifically mandates, vaccine mandates for truckers, then it turned into a protest of vaccine mandates in general, and also against draconian government overreach. Now, it's really interesting because as this traveled across the country, you saw, you know, all these overpasses being packed, people lining the highway, people coming out to support this. And so although people raised questions about, well, so, you know, what does each individual organizer of the convoy think? Or what are some of the people associated with the convoy going to do? The reality is that the convoy turned into something symbolic because many, many, many people all the way across the country were coming out in support of it because there was a political vacuum because they felt like nobody was addressing their concerns of the power-holding parties. And thus, these frustrated people who felt like that there was nothing they could do and and nowhere they could uh, essentially express their frustration latched onto the convoy as something that expressed their views as well. And so when it arrived in Ottawa... It was it was a pretty apparently unbelievable scene. I know a lot of people who were there who were describing it. There was a, there's been a lot of coverage on this site of the convoy as well. And so I wanted to ask PPC party leader Maxim Bernier to come on and describe uh, what he saw there. He he came to the hill, he spoke and gave a speech there to those who were gathered and we wanted to get his impression of what happened. Here is our conversation. I wanted to start off uh, by asking you about your experience with the Freedom Convoy. You've been uh, following them all the way across. You joined them in Ottawa. What can you tell us? Oh, my God. That was an historic weekend last weekend in Ottawa. You know, I thought I'm go- I was going to a protest, but I was wrong. It was not a protest. It was a rally. It was a kind of a celebration of our freedoms. You know, people from all ages, young people, older people, families, that was fun all together. And and the truckers were there, as you know, they they gave us uh, hope and they are giving us us, uh, hope that everything will end uh, soon. So 
the, the people that were there understand that the end of these uh, draconian measures is coming and enough is enough. And I believe that, you know, it was a huge success because uh, the same weekend uh, in uh, Saskatchewan, the premier said uh, no more vaccine passport over there. Today, actually, at 11 o'clock, the premier of Quebec that was supposed to impose a, va- a vax tax, a punitive tax on unvaccinated people, he decided to, uh, he said, no, he said, I won't go, I won't do it anymore. So, so that, was, that was a very great weekend, and I was very pleased to be there. When Justin Trudeau came out to address it, now he, he kind of ran away from the protest. He left town, which is something that, say what you will about Pierre Trudeau, his, his father never would have done. He, he basically came out, and to me it looked like he was actually just attempting to goad the protesters into doing something stupid. Because instead of pointing out the fact that you know people were lining highways and, 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 and packing overpasses all the way across the country, he basically just said, oh, you know, they're a bunch of racists, they're unacceptable people, all these things. And he was so determined not to discuss the sheer numbers of people who had been there, and so determined not to discuss the diversity of of the people that have been there, that it seemed to me that he was actually just trying to goad something or to exacerbate division for his own political ends. What was your take on that? He lied to the population, you know, saying that 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 was a bunch of racists and white supremacists. And that was not the case. That was not the case. And um, I'm not surprised that's uh, Justin Trudeau. He did the same thing during the the last uh, electoral campaign. He said to unvaccinated people that uh, they were racist, uh, and he divided us between uh, good Canadians and, and bad Canadians. Uh, the good ones are the vaccinated ones, and the bad ones are the unvaccinated ones. And he did the same thing, actually, uh, this weekend and uh, Monday. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> you know, that was not about uh, the truckers anymore, and, and the trucker know that. They know that it's uh, more important than themselves. And and now the momentum is there. I said, you know, for the last two years, I did a lot of rallies across the country before the electoral campaign, during the electoral campaign, and after the electoral campaign. I was in Toronto, in Montreal, a couple of weekends ago. And uh, I always said, you know, we will win that. It's a question of time. We need, it's a battle. It's a battle to change the public opinion. So we need to win that battle. And I believe that what Justin Trudeau did with that new rule for truckers, that was, you know, that was enough for the population because these truckers were essential workers during the pandemic in the beginning of that pandemic. You know, when we closed our borders, and they were the only one that had the right to cross the borders to give us food and, and goods and, and without having any vaccine. And now saying that these people, the, the truckers, are dangerous for the health of the population. And actually, <coughs> sorry, but actually knowing that uh, they're uh, most of the time alone in their, in their trucks. So they are not an, a danger for the population. And so, you know, that, that was enough. And that showed us that everything was not based on science. Everything was not based on common sense, was not based on logic. And I always said, you know, the truth will win. And that's happening right now, step by step. And I believe that all that will be, will be over, I hope, before, before this summer. But we must remember 
that these government did that to us. And also the official opposition in Ottawa. O'Toole was working with Justin Trudeau. And actually last Friday, he said to the truckers, you know, to end that, go and, and take your two shots. So uh, O'Toole's, uh, Trudeau, and all these premiers were on the same side and on the, on the side of uh, draconian measures and uh, anti-constitutional policies. So do you think that for, for people like Trudeau, this has just been a matter of electoral math? Because now with Angus Reid saying earlier this week that 54% of Canadians oppose measures, and there'll be a whole bunch of reasons for that shift, but the timing does seem odd, right? You have this 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 convoy that goes across the country that turned an invisible minority into a very visible minority of people waving flags, you know, they're out there in, in, in sub-zero temperatures. There was entire families there. And again, right across the country from all kinds of different communities and backgrounds. And suddenly you have all these very friendly noises being made about the restrictions. You have people talking about how it's time to live um, with the virus. You have, of course, the vax tax being dropped in, in, in Quebec, which surprised me. Do you think these things were already headed down the pipe due to a lot of the work that we've been seeing going on for, for quite a while? Or do you think a lot of this is directly attributed to the catalyst created by the convoy? I will say both. Both, you know, all the work that the freedom fighters all across the country did for the last two years, you know, we were supposed to be a fringe a minority. Maybe that was right in the beginning of all that, you know, to have a revolution. You don't need to have 50% of the population on your side. You need to have only 5, 10% of the population that they know what they're doing and they're fighting for their rights. And, and these people uh, that fought for that for the last two years were an example to Canadians. And that's what I said, you know, we need to give hope to Canadians and, and show them to have the courage of their conviction, the courage of standing up for their values. Actually, it started a little bit before. In Quebec, in January, Legault said, you know, the restaurant uh, will be closed. And early January, the, these uh, restaurants and, and people in charge of the restaurant industry, they said, uh, no, you know, we will reopen the 31st of January, legally or illegally. We are fed up with that. We don't wait for, for you, for your blessing. We will reopen the 31st of January. And actually, Legault was in a position to, and he said before the 31st, okay, it would be legal to reopen restaurants in Quebec. So, you know, civil disobedience, it's working. It's working when you have a great cause, and we had a great cause. So the truckers did something special and extraordinary, extraordinary. The, you know, and they, 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 yes, they, they, they help us to, um, to, to win that battle of ideas. And that's why I thanked them. I was with them. I was very proud of them. And, and also, you know, they, they were very happy to be there. And so we are seeing the, the beginning of the end. I would like to be in Ottawa myself. I, I just I had other 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 things that I had to attend to. But my friends Andrew Lawton were in town. A whole bunch of my friends were actually in town, and I know you were as well. Can you uh, describe for the listeners some of the conversations you had, some of the people you talked to? Because for those who aren't following like True North News or alternative media, and are only following you know, the Globe and Mail or the CBC, which actually cautioned against saying it was nonviolent because even though there had been zero arrests 
and no violence. You know, they said, well, the atmosphere was violent. Like, this is a joke. This is basically, you know, where like all left-wing violence is speech and right-wing speech is violence. You know what I mean? So I, I wondered how, I wonder if you could just share what it was like being there, some of the people that you talked to, some of the conversations that you had. That was peaceful first and, and, and people, uh, you know, I saw a lot of uh, smiles and people happy to be there, knowing that um, something will happen, knowing that they, they were part of history. And, and I spoke with truckers, you know, from guys that uh, started all that in uh, BC and in uh, Edmonton. And, you know, they said, you know, we are happy to be here. And, and they, are, they were telling me, you know, the, the love that we received for, from the population all over uh, along the highways was, was some, something that uh, they won't forget. That's what they told me. And, and, and now they're here and they know. They know that uh, it's uh, it was the right thing to to do. I've met people also. We said, Maxime, I lost my job because of that vax pass, and and I'm here with my family fighting for that. You know, it was it has been a very tough time for me and my family, and I believe, and I believe with your help, with your party, with the truckers, and what is happening on the hill right now, that I will be able to uh, go back to work. And so people, people were happy to be there. Now, one of the other interesting things that I don't know if you want to comment on it, but it looks like one of the primary political casualties of the Freedom Convoy, it looks like it's going to be Aaron O'Toole. And now, now it's interesting because Aaron O'Toole's caucus has been basically ignoring him for weeks now and just coming out and making their own statements because they're tired of waiting for the OLO to do anything about it. And now it looks like the the, the, the rumblings of caucus revolt have finally broken out into public and if 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 what we're hearing from various conservative MPs is true, his leadership might be you know finished by the time this airs tomorrow afternoon. What is your take on everything that's going on there? If you if you want to give us your, your take first, you know I'm very pleased that some MPs, you know maybe one, two or three, were there on the hill and, and they uh, congratulated the truckers. But, you know, for me, it's a little bit late. Uh, where were they in the beginning of that pandemic? They were silent. They were silent and didn't do anything to fight for our freedoms. Now they know that the tide is turning. They're opportunistic politicians, uh, traditional opportunistic politicians that are not leading, that are just looking at the polls and the public opinion. And now they know that, hope oh, something is happening. I must be on the side of uh, the victory. So a couple of them, one, two, three, they had the courage to tweet something about that or to be there. But that party is intellectually and morally corrupt. Why? It is simple. They just want to be in government. They are not fighting for any conservative ideas. And O'Toole did that. And I can tell you, the next leader will be the same. He will be like O'Toole. He will try to please the base like O'Toole did in the beginning. And after that, they'll do some polling and survey. And that person will want to be prime minister. That will be their first goal. So because we are living in a socialist era, in a woke era, wokeism is everywhere, journalists, school, universities. If you want to be in power, you may have to be uh, to go to the left. And that's what Utul is doing. And the new leader will do that also. So I don't have faith in the Conservative Party of Canada with Utul or without Utul. Uh, they are not there for, for, for fighting for conservative values. They were not there. 
now they, they look at, oh, the tide is turning. I will say something without any conviction, without any passion. So, so I'm not surprised. I believe that this party, you know, we are going back to uh, 1990 when we had the Reform Party and the Conservative Party. Now you have the PPC and the Conservative Party. And I can tell you that if you ask me the question, you know, I'm welcoming every member of parliament who is ready to fight for freedom with a party that has been based on based on individual freedom, personal responsibility, respect and fairness. And all our policies, as you know, are in line with these principles. So if they're really serious, they will come and cross the floor and come with us. And I doubt they don't have the courage of their conviction. You need to be courageous to speak for what you believe when it is not popular. They were not there. Shame on them at that time. Now, if they're serious, I hope they'll come on board. But I doubt they're going to do that fight inside the party. Uh, maybe O'Toole will stay, maybe not. That's not important. They will have a new leader, and uh, that new leader will look at the polls, and uh, they, will do, uh, they, they will go to the left like O'Toole did because you know they are hurting the conservative movement. By speaking like liberals, they are giving credibility to the left. And that's what they did the last two years. And the next leader will do that. So I, I, I believe that it's the beginning of the end of that party. And we'll see what will happen. History will come back like in 1990s. And, but you can count on us. We will never, never do the mistake that Preston Manning did when he merged with the Conservative Party. And at, after that, you had a centrist, leftist political party. And we won't do that. We will always fight for what we believe. And we know we have a vision for this country. We believe that we have the right vision, a smaller government in Ottawa that will respect the Constitution, respect provincial jurisdictions, respect taxpayers and Canadians. And that's our position. So we won't change. We will be there. And step by step, we are building this party. I'm a, a very socially conservative person. And so, for example, I've, I've really appreciated uh, you speaking out on issues like Bill C-4 on the gender issue. I know that you've done an interview with, with my friend Chris Elston, who was also in Ottawa with his uh, signs this weekend. He was on the podcast very recently and has been on with us several times. Now, one of the things that I'd really be interested in hearing your thoughts on, though, is is this basic theory that Canada is a largely apathetic country with a hard right and a hard left, but that most people in between are, are center, center left. And that the difficulty with a, with a reform party or any truly conservative party that would, would definitely emblemize my values, embody my values much more, just simply isn't electable because of the way the country is. Now, what would your response to that be? Because it's one thing to say, well, they're saying that because they want to be prime minister, but obviously in order to implement your vision and conservative values, many many of which I share, you'd want to be prime minister as well. So what's the electoral strategy to sell the, the Canadians in the middle on, on libertarian values, conservative values, on all of the things that the Conservative Party under O'Toole's leadership and before has been running so far away from. You know, so I must say that I don't agree with you to have some changes in this country. You need to be prime minister. Look at the history. Look at Preston Manning. When Preston Manning was the official opposition, we had the real conservative party, the Liberal Party under Chrétien and Martin. They were able to balance the budget, cut taxes. Why? Because they had a principal opposition in front of them 
asking every day in the house to balance the budget, to be responsible. And when they were speaking like that every day, they were able to have more and more people supporting that. They were able to change the public opinion like we just did on COVID-19. And that's why Chrétien and Martin were a most conservative government than the one that I was part of, uh, what's his name, uh, the former Prime Minister Harper. You know, we did a huge deficit and uh, we increased the, the, the money that we gave to Quebec and, and all that. So Chrétien and Martin were, were conservative. They, 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 were, they, they, they were respecting uh, rights of, of Canadians. So you need to have a leader that will lead, that will speak on principle, and you'll be able to convince these people in the middle. That's a question of time. That's a question of time and being patient and knowing that you know you're doing the right thing and a day you may be become you I may be, be prime minister or not but i know that our ideas will win like i said in the beginning of the pandemic we will win that it's a question of time we have to work hard to change the public opinion we did two battles the one to change the public opinion two years ago and the other one by the justice center for constitutional freedoms that did the battle in the court and they didn't win in the court. They, they are appealing all that right now, but they will win at the Supreme Court. And so we'll have precedent that all that was unconstitutional and illegal. And we want to be sure that it won't happen. It won't happen in the future. So how do you see things playing out over the next couple of years, right? Justin Trudeau's got a second minority government. There's obviously a lot of speculation that he might leave. We'll find out in the next 48 hours or so whether or not Aaron O'Toole remains the leader. Your PPC party is planning to run candidates in the next election. Politics for a very long time. You've served in government. So maybe let our listeners know, how do you see things playing out? Do you think that Justin Trudeau is going to be running as the head of the Liberal Party in the next election, or do you think that he wants to lead the party into the next election? What do you think about your chances, especially if you see 54% of people are opposed to restrictions? That That's surely good news for your party. How do you see things playing out over the next year or two? Well, first of all, we must say that we, we are not a one-issue political party. You know, we have a strong platform, and I'm inviting your people to go on our website and read our platform, People's Party of Candidates C. And actually, that's why we are doing politics differently, because we don't have a new platform for each election. The platform that we had in 2019 at our first election was the same one at 2021 at the last election, and will be the same one later, because we know that we need these bold changes to regain our country back. So that being said about Justin, Justin Trudeau, I don't know, <laughs> but I know the liberals and I know that they want to be uh, to stay in power and they, we must admit that they were very successful the last 100 years to be in government. So maybe if Justin Trudeau is not so popular, they will try to have a new leader or not. But for me, that's not a concern. Uh, the conservative, maybe they will run with tour for the next election. Maybe they will have a new leader but the party won't change. And for us, I believe that, you know, we can, that would be an election where we'll have a candidate in every riding. You know, the last election, the goal was to increase our percentage of the vote for me to be able to participate in the national debates. As you know, I was not part of the national debates. And, and that's huge visibility for a new political party. So next time I will, with 5% of the vote, we, spoke, we are supposed to be at 10% right now. I don't know, but after COVID, 
this party is not dying. You know, there's the equalization to fix, there climate change, the woke that are there. You know, we we are the only party that is not buying that hysteria of climate change hysteria. We want to impose a carbon tax. There's a lot of subject. The the fact that you know uh, the federal government is uh, interfering in provincial jurisdiction. There's healthcare to solve. We were and we are the only party that has a solution for that. Uh, more autonomy to provinces. You know, it's not the, the federal government must not give uh, all the money to provinces. Provinces must have an incentive, a real one, to change the system. More private delivery of healthcare when every Canadian will have a universal coverage, like in Europe. So we spoke about that, and we will. So I don't know what would be the future for these establishment political parties. And between you and me, I really don't care. I really don't mind. I don't, I don't take time to think about that. We have a vision. We, we know where we are going. And step by step, we'll be there. I believe that the next election, I'll be on the stage. I will, it will help to reach to more Canadians because, you know, the, the one that are not on social media and alternative media, uh, the one that are listening, CBC, I'll be able to speak directly to them. So that will help. And I believe that will grow from 5%, maybe 10% of the vote, couple of candidates elected, like the reform did, step by step, you know, will we'll win that battle of ideas. Well, it's very interesting because uh, the, the complete abdication on all these issues by the conservatives means myself and, and quite a few of my friends supported the PPC in, in the last election. And before I ask you my final question about the convoy, I, I did want to ask you just because one of the things I think a lot of Canadians have really woken up to over the past week is uh, the state of the Canadian media. Because for the longest time, you had the state broadcaster, the CBC, and and a lot of the other bailed out media reporting on events that other people hadn't attended, and therefore they couldn't see the bias. And I remember the very first time I read an article in McLean's about a rally I'd actually attended, and the chasm between what I'd seen versus what the journalist ended up producing in his article was just crazy. And as a member of the pro-life movement, I see this all the time. But now with the convoy, because the convoy went all the way across the country, because people saw the cheering, you know, kids and families and, and people on the overpasses and alongside the highways, when they finally got there and you had people portraying them as, you know, a, you know, the, the, what was it, the, the flu trucks clan or something like that was trending on Twitter, you know, like the, the demonization didn't add up with what they'd seen themselves, right? And the media was basically, you know, challenging the Canadian people. Who are you going to believe us or your lying eyes? And so I really do think that this was a wake-up call in a way that Canadians haven't had in a very long time with regard to the credibility of the media. So what would the PBC do to fix the Canadian media situation? First of all, you're right, but you must uh, take some credibility. You know, alternative media, independent media like you, help to uh, destroy the credibility of the CBC and the mainstream media. Because, yes, we saw a lot of videos and, and a lot of people were uh, reporting from that uh, convoy and you in the alternative media, you took it. So people are able right now to have the truth and if they look if 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 they are looking for it and the credibility is very low actually when i said that we must defund the cbc 3 years ago it was not that popular but i knew it was the best thing to do and now i can tell you that uh, i believe that the conservative will run on that idea at the next election because now it's popular because people understand the cbc is helping uh, is helping us by discrediting everything that is not woke so so I believe that uh, 
what we must do, defund the CBC, and also, you know, the add uh, bud, uh, budget, you know, uh, for just for example, the Quebec government uh, spend more than $250 million in advertising, I call that propaganda, since the beginning of that pandemic for the last two years. That's why, you know, they had the fear was efficient, propaganda was efficient, censorship was efficient, and they were able to have a, a big majority of the population on their side. But, but what we will do, we will cut all that. We won't give any money to uh, the mainstream media, and uh, they will have to be in competition. And that will be a fair competition between mainstream media and independent and alternative media. That will be a real free market. And if CBC, they're not good, they're not able to raise money with their viewers, they'll go bankrupt. That's it. That's it. Final question is on the convoy. So they're still in Ottawa. You have a lot of truckers who are quite determined to stay until they're addressed by by significant politicians. We know O'Toole had promised to meet with leaders of the convoy and then reneged on that. I think the, the funniest thing the convoy did was bar the Toronto Star and the CBC from their press conference. So now that with you know the, the big celebratory historic weekend that you attended is over and, and the truckers are still there, a lot of people have flown home, but there's a bunch of diehards still there on Parliament Hill. How do you think this thing goes from here? I believe, you know, I've been told today that some uh, trucks cannot go, cannot enter the downtown Ottawa. So somebody told me that some trucks are leaving to go to Quebec City for this weekend. So, or, or another city like Toronto, we'll see. And I know that these truck, truckers uh, want to stay there for a couple of days because they said, you know, we want to meet the prime minister and they want to stay there until they have a meeting with the prime minister. So I don't know uh, what will happen. But uh, we are uh, supporting them 100%. Mr. Bernier, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with PPC leader Maxim Bernier. We do appreciate his time. We also appreciate your time. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to LifeSiteNews.com. Click on the podcast tab where you can subscribe to future shows or go back and listen to past shows. Thanks so much for listening this week, and we do hope you'll join us again next week.